No one knows my heart better than you. What a great song that is. Um, and you know, I, I think the thing that that song confesses that most of us probably wouldn't uh, would be that the fact that um, so many times we, we hide behind our smiling faces and dressed up clothes or whatever that happens to be. And it, it, often when we're, you know, looking really, trying to look at least really cool, experiencing something quite different internally. And that's, that's, we, that's what that song's really representing, which really brings to the heart of what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, and, you know, I think it happens, you come to church and you, you sometimes, hopefully not here, but sometimes people do, you use Christian-y type words and, and, and talk a certain way and say certain things and so forth. And, and, uh, and you think, well, that'll somehow, you know, give people a different impression as to what's really going on internally. Uh, we call that a lack of authenticity. And um, it's really a great place to start. And I got, I got a couple notes I want to make on this thing that you're going to see in a moment. It's a great place to start this thing that we're calling Adventures and Missing the Point. Um, this whole thing that I'm, you know, my first, my first talk here. Um, boy, somebody's going to have to pay for that. Um, <laughs> religion versus relationship is what I'm talking about this morning. And uh, um, we're going to discover... We're going to discover something. Somehow, somewhere, people have rushed into making rules. And sometimes those rules become part of religion. We've all seen it. We've all been a part of it. Um, we, uh, you know, I, I did something yesterday. I, I need to confess to you. Because if I had done that as a pastor of some churches, I'd be gone by now. You know what I did yesterday? Um, smoked a cigar on the golf course. My first one ever. One of my partners, one of, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, actually, I had three of them, but my, one, of my, one of my, I really liked it. Uh, one of my partners, in our, in our, that, uh, Tim Jordan, who comes here, is a cigar dealer, so he was, okay, you got to try this, now you got to try, he kind of graduated and showed me how to do the whole thing and all that, and um, uh, I had a taste in my mouth this morning, though, it is just killing me, I got to tell you, it is just killing me, I've had, been through three packs of mints, but... Um, but, you know, it's an example, just an example of sometimes how we get certain rules. Well, you know, good Christians don't do this or they don't do that. And certainly for some of you, that's not a big deal. The church I was raised in, you know, if the pastor had done that, you know, he'd be, he'd be hung by, by noon and, um, and so forth. So it, it's, it's, it's one of those things. And what I want to show you, I mean, there are some good rules. Let's, let's face it. There are some good rules. Um, don't kill. Don't steal. Um, don't cheat on your taxes. Opportune time for that. No cell phones in church. Oh, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> there are some good rules, you know. Don't drive too fast. I'm not sure that's a good rule. But anyway, there, there, there are some good rules, but they begin to lose their effectiveness when those who are supposed to follow those rules lose sight of why they were instituted in the first place. And the rule loses its meaning, and thus we begin a whole adventure of missing the point. All right. Now, I want to, I'm going to read some of the, the, this. I've not seen this movie, okay? It's, it's British humor, um, which I just, it's over my head or under, I'm not sure which it is, British humor. But um, this video clip illustrates our tendency to miss the point when it comes to spirituality. This is pretty good. I must admit, this is a great video. It's from Monty Python, The Life of Brian, if you've ever seen that. It's sort of an irreverent look at religion, um, as you'll see. And, and here's what I want you to see. 
he, Brian, is constantly being mistaken as being the Savior because he was born in the stable next door to Jesus, okay? Fictitiously, of course. Despite the fact that he's confused about his own beliefs and his own place in life, he's confused about this thing, yet he's often mistaken for being the Savior. And in this scene, Brian is running away as his would-be followers are chasing him. Actually, Steve came up with this clip, and, uh, and, and I, he or I couldn't find anything, I think, that illustrated more the church's proclivity, really, to, to miss the point more than this. You'll see what I mean. The life of Brian. Um, pretty wild, isn't it? Um, I've seen it. You've seen it too, where people get so hung up on some... Obviously, this is a humorous rendition of it, but we've seen it even in more serious ways, where people have a, a custom or a tradition of which and in which there's nothing wrong with. And then they, they miss the point. It happens... I've seen it so many times. I've seen it happen in churches and, and you know, quote-unquote religious circles. That's really what I want to hit this morning. I want you to really listen closely to some of these things because I've got a lot of some good quotes for you and I've got some passages from the Bible that I want you to look at that I think will really just nail this thing down for you. All right. Um, And it's going to take some thought. Unfortunately, sometimes we don't like to think when it comes to church or God or, or, or those kinds of things. I don't know why that is, but oftentimes that's the way it is. And, and in many cases, people are even condemned or at least chastised for, for thinking too much or asking too many questions. Never have understood that either. Why would they be chastised or condemned for asking questions about God or, or the way we worship God or why is this that way or, 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 or something like that? Let me show you this quote. This comes from our the book that we're actually doing in the men's group, The Journey, that's from Oz Guinness, 
Let me just show you this to you. The thinking person's road to faith is not for everyone. But if Christian truth is simple enough for a child to paddle in, yet deep enough for an elephant to swim in, as early Christians expressed it, it is certainly for thoughtful people too. There's nothing wrong with that, being thoughtful. In fact, it probably needs to happen more. I have a definition that I want to show you when we talk about religion because I think it's a very revealing definition. If you get, by the way, our, our weekly email, that I, the, the part that I write um, this week at Renaissance, and by the way, if you don't, just fill out the thing on the program, little tear-off sheet, and drop it in the offering basket in the back. We'd be happy to include you on that. But if you get that, this week you saw a little definition that I put on there. It comes from this definition. Let me show you this. This comes from Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary, all right? And uh, this is the definition of religion. And uh, what happens with that? It's a noun, uh, but I'm, I'm interested most, mostly in the etymology. It's the Middle English religion from the Latin religion, religio, supernatural, watch this, supernatural constraint, sanction, religious practice, perhaps from religar or religare to restrain or to tie back. Isn't that interesting? That it has its roots in this this definition of restraining and tying back. That's what religion often does. It shouldn't, but it does. It restrains and it ties back. That was never, ever God's intention. You've got to see that. You can see the rest of this as a state of religious and all the other definitions that go along with it. But that was the most important thing to see uh, for, for what we're talking about. So, People mindlessly often approach this thing we call religion. They, they do so in a way that often restrains and ties back. Never, never was that God's intention. Let me show you something else, because this is a famous orator from the late 1800s, Robert Greene Ingersoll, actually from this part of the country. Look what he said. Religion can never reform mankind because religion is slavery. Well, that's a pretty strong statement. And unfortunately, too many times, I'm afraid Ingersoll was right, unfortunately. Being a follower of Christ has never been about having or abiding by some code of conduct. I talked about rules. Do we have rules? Sure, we have standards, we have principles, and we have them in our lives, we have them in our families' lives. But when we start, again, getting those things to where we're you know, following a particular rule around, in a ludicrous way illustrated by the film clip, you know, following the shoe or whatever, um, when we start doing that, we lose the point and we miss the point. And so many times, so many times, I don't know, maybe, maybe you get tired of hearing me say this, I hope not, but so many times, that's what happens in this thing we call church. And I've, I've, I've paid a lot of rent for this thing called church. I mean, I, 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 got, some, I got some years in this thing. I know a little bit about what I'm talking about, and I've seen a lot of things I wish I hadn't seen in the name of Christ. And that's when I got disenchanted, finally, after about 20 years, about five years ago. And I said, you know, this is crap. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm out of here. And... Um, I thought I was never going to be in a church again as a pastor. I started doing some other things in D.C. A lot of that was my... I still spoke in churches and had supported friends who were in church. But the whole thing would just, to me, was like, oh, gosh. And until I found a place where I could, 
I determined at that time, until I could find a place that I could have the freedom that I felt like I should have and could experience and, and, the, and, the, and the fulfillment of doing what I believed God wanted me to do and so forth, I wasn't going to do it again. And I tell you, it's tough when you're in this line of work. If you don't want to go buy a bunch of stuff. Now, again, I'm not being critical. I have friends who I love and who I respect who are in different kinds of religious denominations. I mean, the whole spectrum I have, from Baptist to Presbyterian to Catholic to whatever. And I love them and I respect them, and I'm not being critical of them. I'm just saying that's not where I'm coming from. And I think there's a whole lot of people who probably aren't into that either. So that's what we're doing here. That's what we're doing in Renaissance. Not trying to create some sort of a of a snobby super sect or something like that. It's not at all. Just, just cla- the classic message of Christ in a different setting, that's all. That's, that's a little, little interjection there. But let me show you something. Being a follower of Christ has never been about abiding or having a, a, a code of conduct, even though you have that, internally at least. Let me show you this little quote again from a book, and I've used some of this before. Uh, by Steve McVeigh. Look what he says. A Christian may believe his frustration comes because he doesn't adequately live up to certain rules, but the real problem is that he is focusing on rules at all. A lifestyle ruled by law is one where the doing the right thing instead of being, instead of, uh, I'm sorry, a lifestyle ruled by law is one where the focus is on performance. It is a lifestyle which is obsessed with doing the right thing instead of being obsessed with Christ. Watch this. The uh, italics are mine. It is being more concerned about rules than in a relationship with God. And that's the issue here. And so often we go into that whole thing, well, you know, how am I doing this way? How am I doing that way? Am I doing this? Am I doing this? Am I not doing this? Am I not doing this? When really, we're looking for something much deeper than that. Because let me help you with this. Take it from a guy who's lived a few years and and for a number of years had a relationship with God. You will fail. Sometimes you'll fail more than others. (laughs) And if your quote-unquote spiritual condition is going to be dependent upon that, you're going to live one rotten, miserable life that God never intended you to live. And you need to think through that a little bit. I'm not giving you... I'm not... Please understand, again, I'm not, I talked a, little, a lot about rules last week in, in that last message of our last, of our last series but, on Jesus. But it's so important, and it, this, this crosses over in so many different ways. So you, you, you will fail. How's that going to determine your, your quote-unquote relationship with God? Not, you know, that's, that's an issue that we have, to, we have to deal with. So let me show you something else. You know, some people think, well, religion is here to make us nice people. Well, I would say to that person, why don't you come to New Jersey? Um, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't, don't get upset about that. Um, um, but no, kidding. Some, no kidding on this part. Um, some people think, well, you know, we're, we're here to make people nice. That's what the church is here for. I've got another quote for you from C.S. Lewis. You know, I'm going to quote him. Niceness, wholesome, integrated personality is an excellent thing. We must try by every medical, educational, economic, and political means in our power to produce a world where as many people as possible grow up nice, just as we must try to produce a world where all have plenty to eat. But we must not suppose that even if we succeeded in making everyone nice, we should have saved their souls. 
For mere improvement is not redemption, though redemption always improves people even here and now and will in the end improve them to a degree we cannot yet imagine. God became man to turn creatures into sons, not simply to produce better men of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of man or woman, used in a non-generic sense. And that's, that's the message of the gospel. That's the good news of this internal working in the heart. Um, I want to go through, I'm going to go through one, two, three, four passages of the Bible. I'm going to pound you over the head with this, okay? Because I want to make a point, okay? Figuratively speaking, of course. Um, And you're going to see two things. You're going to see what God is not looking for and what God is looking for. And I'm not going to, I'll make a few comments. I'm not going to make a lot of comments because I'm going to let the Bible just speak for itself. And uh, you can just kind of follow along up here. I have some different translations and paraphrases I'm going to use. But you're going to see what God is not looking for and what God is looking for. Doesn't matter what I think. Doesn't matter what you think. What, what matters is what God thinks, right? So let me just, just, let's just go to the Bible and, 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 and see what's there, all right? The first one is a passage I use often because I like this passage. It comes from the book of Psalms. David wrote it. Um, David wrote this as he was confessing his, his sin uh, with Bathsheba. He had committed adultery with her, and, and in order to hide that adultery, he had lied and deceived and even committed murder. Um, and he wrote this as he was beginning to realize just how pathetic he was, how sinful he was. And he, he, this is a psalm of confession, a song of confession, really, because the psalms are all songs. But it's a psalm of confession. And I'm just going to just, we're just going to read a couple of verses in it. And I'll show you this, all right? Look what he says. You would not be pleased with sacrifices. That was their religion. Or I would bring them. If I brought you a burnt offering, you would not accept it. That was their religion. The sacrifice you want is a broken spirit. A broken and repentant heart, O God, you will not despise. The New Living Translation. That was their religion. And and, and David is saying, in the Old Testament, in the midst, right in the middle of all that Old Testament sacrificial system, he's saying, God, I know you really don't want sacrifices. You want my heart. It's always been that way. This isn't something new. We just, it's it's easier to do stuff. In that age, it's easier to go, let's go sacrifice another one of the bulls and get out of this, uh, get out of this, this, get this thing past me. Let's just go pray about this and confess this and just move on. No. No, just don't go through the motions. Talk to God about that. And that's the issue here. Let me show you another one, all right? And this one, comes from, uh, this one comes from Isaiah, chapter 29. Here you go. And the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but remove their hearts and minds far from me, and their fear and reverence for me are a commandment of men that is learned by repetition without any thought as to the meaning then they're going to be dealt with harshly. He goes on and explains that's from the Amplified Bible. He's going to, because they did this, he goes on to explain what's going to happen. And I, I didn't, it's a whole bunch of verses and I want to read through all of it. Basically what's going to happen is, he says, I'm going to deal with you one more time in a harsh manner. And he's going to bring a, another kingdom in from the north that's going to come down and, and basically wipe out Israel, the Assyrians. And, 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 but he, what he's saying is because you guys, were, it, it's all just become a religion to you. You just become a rote memory type of thing to you. I'm going to, he says, and that's not pleasing to God. Let me show you another one. One of my top five favorite passages in the verses in the Bible. Right here it is. Ready? Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. 
the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is looking for a few good men and women whose hearts are committed to him. Now, are they going to have a lot, of, a lot of rules, a lot of religion? Are they going to go to church every Sunday? Well, not if they have kids in soccer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> are they, I mean, let's be practical. Or in my case, a daughter in volleyball. We had club volleyball, and people are always asking me, you know, we got to miss, you know, they almost apologetically. And I said, hey, when my daughter was in high school, club volleyball, we had a different kind of dynamic. I couldn't miss Sunday morning, so who do you think went? It was Charlene. And that's just part of the deal. Does that mean you're less of a Christian or you love God less because you love your kids enough to keep involved in sports? I don't think so. And I know so, actually. So that's the whole thing. Is, you know, what's, what's God looking for here? People whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's it. Now I'm going to take you to another, one more before we do that. Um, this is a longer passage, and this is a passage that it comes from the book of Isaiah. And, and it's, again, Isaiah the preacher, the prophet, talking to God's people in the Old Testament. And once again, they have, they have missed the point. They have just gotten so hung up on religion and all that goes along with that. And this is really God talking through Isaiah, which he did frequently in the Old Testament. It's kind of an interesting dynamic. It doesn't happen today. I'm not telling you that when I talk now that God's talking through me. I hope, hopefully God is using me to, to, to awaken something in your heart and in your mind, but not in the same way that it was with Isaiah. Well, Isaiah was actually God's words. It was just an interesting and different kind of dynamic. So this is, this is what God is saying <laughs> through Isaiah, all right? And let's just jump into it, and we're going to just go through this. Isaiah chapter 1, why this frenzy of sacrifice, God's asking Don't you think I've had my fill of burnt offerings? That's their religion. Rams and plump grain-fed calves? Don't you think I've had my fill of blood from bulls, lambs, and goats? When you come before me, whoever gave you the idea of acting like this, running here and there, doing this and that, all this sheer commotion in the place provided for worship. Quit your worship charades. I can't stand your trivial religious games monthly conferences, weekly Sabbaths, special meetings, meetings, meetings. I can't stand one more. He must have been in the church, you know? Some churches I know. Um, Meetings for this, meetings for that. I hate them. You've worn me out. I'm sick of your religion, 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 while you go right on sinning. When you put on your next prayer performance, I'll look the other way. No matter how long or loud or often you pray, I'll not be listening. And you know why? Because you've been tearing people to pieces and your hands are bloody. Go home and wash up. Clean up your act. Sweep your lives clean for your evil doings so I don't have to look at them any longer. Say no to wrong. Learn to do good. Work for justice. Help the down and out. Stand up for the homeless. Go to bat for the defenseless. Do what is right. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty powerful. One more that just sort of goes on top of that from Micah chapter 6, verse 8, the Old Testament. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, 
to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. That's it. It's not that complicated, folks. We complicate it. We put a lot of rigmarole and a lot of this on it, a lot of that on it. Well, we got to do this, got to do that. Got to just do things this way or that way. It's not that, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that complicated. It's pretty simple, really. God, God designed it that way. So when we talk about this whole religion or religious thing, we're talking about, we should be talking about a re- relationship with God. That's why we are here. You see, that's why Renaissance is here. Yeah, that's why Renaissance is here. But even bigger than that, that's why we, me and you, people, that's why we're here, to have a relationship with our Creator. And He made that possible through Jesus, who came to bridge that gap, because we can't approach God on our own. But you don't need me, and you don't need another person. You only need Jesus to do that. I need Jesus to do that. I'll pray for you, and hopefully you'll pray for me. But we only really need one high priest. And the Bible tells us this over and over and over, and that's Jesus. That's why he came and lived and suffered on the cross and died and in the tomb and then rose again to give us what he calls abundant life. Is that to save us and take us to heaven? Yeah, it's that. But it's so much more. And that's, that's, that's what a relationship with God is. You know, and, and, and you know, I got another minute, so I, I, I've really tried to nail this thing down. I'm a, I'm a dad, so I know it's not Father's Day, but we'll do this in honor of Father's Day a month from now, okay? You know how we dads are. We're so self-centered, we think about our day coming up next anyway, but, but um, um, a lot of moms are out there going, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I have two kids. Love them. They're grown. One of them comes to church here. And uh, the other one lives in Alabama now. Just moved from Colorado. Um, and I love my kids. I love to be with my kids. love to see my kids. And I have a phone, like most of you do, that tells me who's calling. I always check it. Don't matter, doesn't matter where I am, what I'm doing. I may be meeting with you. I may be meeting with somebody in a very serious thing. I always check it. And if it's one of my kids, if you've been with me, you've seen this. I say, excuse me, I've got to take this. It's one of my kids. It's the, it's the only call I always take. Why is that? I love my kids. Love hearing from my kids. Some of you haven't experienced that yet. When they get older, sometimes they don't call as much, you know, until they get in trouble with something, and they call, you know, every, every day. And that's okay. I don't care. Why is it? Because I love my kids. Now take that and magnify that about a hundredfold. And uh, maybe you'll get a view of, of how God feels about you. You're one of his children. And he loves to hear from you. He loves to have that relationship with you. That's why you're here. That's why you were created. Does that mean we should pray more? Well, yeah, sure. But hopefully it's, it's going to be as the one person said, practicing the presence of God. You're, you're always in the presence of God. The difference between your relationship with God and your relationship with your human parents is he's always there. We're not. But he's always there. And that's what he wants from us, just like we do as parents. That relationship, because he loves us that much. He's there to beat us up and condemn us and make us feel guilty. No. 
I might feel guilty when I do something that I shouldn't do. And that's a good thing, as long as I don't just live in it, just deal with it and say, gee, God, I'm so sorry. Now let's move on. Yeah, that's a good thing. But that's what, that's what, that's what it's about. That's how, that's how God loves us. That's relationship. Now, that somehow has fit into this thing we call religion. That's why I, I, I really am not trying to be cute or play word games or, or get into semantics or anything else but I really don't like being called religious. I am not religious. I don't like anything about religion. Don't. Part of that has to do, I didn't obviously, I haven't seen the movie yet, but obviously we know what happened in the name of religion during the Crusades with a new movie that's just out, Kingdom of of Heaven or Kingdom of God, whatever it is. But I I I haven't seen that and didn't experience that obviously so many centuries ago, but I have seen a lot of things happen in the name of religion that just makes me shudder. I can't imagine what it does to God. can't imagine that. It's a relationship with God. That's what it's about. Totally. Let's pray together. Lord, we are just humbled. I'm humbled that you want to have a relationship with me. I don't know why. I'm not anything special. I'm certainly not worthy of it, but you do. You desire my presence, my company, a relationship with me, and every one of us equally in in an amazing way. And, Lord, we are so thankful for that. And I don't know where, you know, I don't know where people are here. I know where some are. I don't know where all are. You do, though. You know where each person is in this whole thing. Some are thinking about it. Some just, yeah, I'm not sure yet, but this is, this is some interesting things to, to think about. Some of us, some of us here have, have had a relationship with you for a long time, and we just seek to deepen it and to grow in it. Wherever we are, Lord, I would just ask that we would be especially aware of that, of that still small voice in our hearts and in our minds that's, that's dealing with us right now with, with whatever may be happening in, in our lives. Lord, we thank you for this time. We do commit it to you, and we do pray for your blessing upon it. In Jesus' name, amen.